Greetings, comic book nerds, and welcome to episode 23 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? Fantastic. Shiny. That's and good. All of the other things. That's good. Shiny. All of the other geeky, uh, wonderful terms that we can apply By the way, here. where's Firefly? I feel like that hasn't come out in forever. Ah, oh, that's a good point. Maybe we should talk that in just a minute. So... You know what that means. Strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. I still want to see what this like strap in looks like for you. Like I want like a I, every time you say that I picture like a NASCAR driver like with the full rig. I'm in like how detailed does this strapping in go? Is this like you know nascar where you gotta use like a catheter or something in a helmet it, like it's it's not quite that crazy but i do have like a pilot seat and i just strap myself in so okay cool good yeah, talk that that's that's exactly what it looks like so on today's episode of the pull list we've got a great show for you we're going to hit the latest news doctor who joins the suicide squad well n- not exactly but we'll get to that frank miller brings us more dark knight Top Cow is seeking their next top writer and artist, and so much more. All that plus our polls from the last two weeks, and one of yours, our wonderful listeners as well. This is the Pull List Podcast. So jumping on into the news, the wonderful things happening on the wonderful industry that is comics. Let's see. Uh, Hector, what do you have that's making you really excited in comics industry right now? It, I mean, it's technically the industry, but my my big deal, as you mentioned, is that Peter Capaldi, the doctor, the 12th doctor, um, my favorite doctor, uh, you know, if we want to get into that discussion, um, I feel like I identify most with the 12th doctor. But whatever. That's a whole other podcast, which we need to start. We need a we need like a Doctor Who podcast, so let's make that happen. Um, yeah, I'll but, jot that down. Yeah, jot that down after you watch eleven seasons of Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> but uh, which me and my kids are actually going through it, and it's we're halfway through at this point. We started in like July, um, so it's not the worst. Anyway, uh, Peter Capaldi uh, is doing his first real major project um, since leaving the TARDIS. Uh, there's been one whole season of Doctor Who since he left with Jodie Whittaker, but, and he's done some smaller things like, you know, Paddington or (laughs) stuff like that. But, uh, he is joining, uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. So we officially get the Doctor in the DC EU, if it's still in EU or if it's more like, I guess we'll see. Maybe. You know what? Maybe I it just so. needs to be the DCEH, like the DC. Um, <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I, this is coming from a DC fanboy. I'm just saying, but you know, whatever. It's more like the DC eh, than the DCEU. Um, but realistically, this is like I was already sold. You put James. I've been a fan of James Gunn since before most people knew his name. Um, as far, you know, and I'm fully aware of all the drama that took place last year and obviously not cool. Um, but as a creator and a director and everything else, um, you know, his stuff always has a unique vision and plays out just really, really well. So his, the Suicide Squad in his hands, to me, is extremely hopeful for the future of DC's film industry. Um 
Literally, he took the most obscure group of ragtag people the Marvel Universe had never heard of and made them blockbusters and lunchboxes and more popular than the standard Avengers. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. Like, seriously, if you think Guardians of the Galaxy has always been all of that, go and pick up any, any (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy comic from all the way back in the beginning to now and let me know what you think. Because it has not always been the juggernaut that it is. And James Gunn, is a, his dialogue and his vision and his direction are a big part of that. So when, you know, Marvel, you know, terminated, Marvel slash Disney terminated their contract and he went to DC to pick up Suicide Squad, that is literally the perfect thing for him to do. Although I could see him doing a really good question movie. Um, Ooh. Right? Really, I, want, Ooh. I want that now. Yeah, James Gunn doing the question with all of the psychosis and uh, James Gunn also nail a Moon Knight movie, but whatever. Um, See, just like sparking all your interests. Um, Yep, just writing that down too. (laughs) Sales pitch. Uh, But no, like James Gunn is, I was already excited with James Gunn doing Suicide Squad and let me just go ahead and lovingly lay this out there. Suicide Squad was not the worst as far as. It wasn't the worst. It was not the worst DCEU has brought. It, I mean, and here's the deal. If they would have had a decent antagonist for the villain, like a decent bad guy for them to fight, it would have been a much better movie. Because literally, to me, the worst thing, the only thing that makes it like subpar is what the whole nemesis bad guys, the putties from Power Rangers bad guys that they were fighting was what sucked the wind out of it. Everything else, I thought the casting was good. I thought the direction was good. You actually made Jai Courtney interesting. Um, uh, and bravo. So, And it won an Academy Award, so eat that. Um, for for just, sound design. Shush, 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 shush. There's a DCEU movie. Um, let's be clear. Let me, let me just make sure I'm getting this correct. Um, did a DCEU movie win an Academy Award before an MCU movie? Yeah, they they actually did. <laughs> oh, oh, boom, boom, <laughs> eat it. Um, <laughs> okay, you, you, your speaking privileges might have to be revoked for the rest of the episode, which does not make for good podcasting. Okay, but <laughs> but either way, I need to hurry this up because it's taking too long. Um, but yes. bottom line, I'm excited. Um, Peter Capaldi is going to be in the Suicide Squad movie, and I love the Doctor. I love Peter Capaldi as an actor. Um, and for me personally, I will follow a Doctor Who actor to the ends of the earth. Um, I watched that dreadful Terminator movie that was last released simply because Matt Smith was in it. Um, And, you know, I would rather watch another one with Matt Smith as the main villain than the thing they're about to release. But either way, like I I will, you're going to get, there's a lot of Doctor Who fans in the world. Let's just put it that way. And it's true. And Whovians, we're a special breed of crazy. And um, like, I think we've established that so far. Yeah, uh, my youngest daughter is named after a Doctor Who character. Um, but all that being said, I think it's going to breathe a lot of life into it. And I'm, I'm just excited. I'm just pumped about that. So carry on. I'll be quiet and let you talk about other news now. <laughs> so Hector, super excite. But I think it's worth bringing up here as well that we were kind of going through the news of the week and figuring out if there were some other things worth mentioning. There's not a ton of news this week. So taking up a chunk of you, like literally telling the world your love story of Doctor Who, 
Oh, that's it, not even the a, story, man. That's like the no, Netflix no, that's, description. That's, that's a foot. Yeah, that's a footnote. <laughs> um, is just as much as James Gunn doing that move, uh, we just saw this week that J.J. Abrams actually just signed a five-year exclusive contract to Warner Brothers Entertainment. And that includes movies, video games, television, et cetera, et cetera. But no specific projects, I think, were announced or connected with that. But that's not an insignificant exclusivity period, especially given all the Disney stuff that J.J. is literally finishing right now. So... Who knows? Um, we could be seeing some of that magic come over into the DCEU, but we don't know what we don't know. But hey, JJ is going to do something over at WB. So we'll keep our eye out for that as well. It could be but Harry Potter. It, yeah. Well, that's true. And there's, yeah, th- there's they've a announced couple there's other things going over there. Some Harry Potter stuff coming in that direction. So it literally could. I mean, and who, who legitimately would be better to take on the Harry Potter world? Than J.J. Abrams after, you know, he came in, he's done Star Wars, he gave us Lost, he gave us, you know, um, Cloverfield and all those other things. Yeah, dude's talented. Not under, not underselling that. <laughs> I am right. He did do Cloverfield, right? I honestly, I think that was a high-level production. I don't know. I don't remember as much about... That's okay, who, keep going. <laughs> ...who owns Clover... Yeah, that that's, that's a blank spot in my nerddom. It might be but. Damon Lindelof, because I just lump all the Lost people together. How dare you? Um, no, it was. It but, was produced by J.J. Abrams. Go on. Yeah, there you go. So, Batman fans, the Dark Knight, get excited. Frank Miller is returning with yet another Dark Knight Returns story. This time, it is called The Dark Knight Returns, The Golden Child. And it's going to be later this year, just before the turn of the new year. And he is telling a Dark Knight Returns story, but it's going to have a very specific focus on Jonathan Kent as Superboy. And there have been some screen caps of some penciled pages, not complete pages. And they're... Very Frank Miller is all I can really say. You can is Google he doing some of the that art stuff. and the story? Yeah, I think just like he's done in these previous projects, it's uh, it's a little of the both. Because um, yeah, it kind of comes and goes as he does some of those projects. Because sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he just does the covers, so on and so forth. But um, there is another person involved in that project, but I'm forgetting off the top of my head. So it's probably not in its entirety. But Jonathan Kent, Superboy in the Dark Knight uh, universe sounds like something that's a, well, that's a thing. Uh, The last Dark Knight 3 that we did, Master Race, was pretty wild. So I'm looking forward to what Miller is going to, what insanity he's going to bring us this time around. And then we want to just bring some cool news to all of you. And if any of you are aspiring artists, writers, etc., uh, Top Cow, who was one of the original publishers underneath the Image Mega Publisher House when they were formed back in the day, uh, Top Cow, which brought you all kinds of really off the wall stuff, but like The Darkness, um, I think Witchblade and them were technically under Top Cow as well. That they every so often, I'm not sure if it's annually, but I know this year they have announced their top writer and artist search and. We've dropped an article on it for you, so if you're trying to bust in, they are they specifically lay out the requirements of writers and artists projects, and it's explicitly this year going to focus on their The Darkness property. So if you're trying to swing for the fences and find that way to get picked up, this is one of those opportunities to specifically work on something and submit it for a shot 
at possibly joining the Top Cow team. And I'm imagining if they're focusing on the darkness, it's because they're probably going to relaunch it just like they did with Witchblade a few years ago. So um, I love those types of opportunities and letting folks know about it because if you don't try, you're not going to get feedback. You're not going to get into it and... How you get found in comics is by drawing, by writing, and submitting, and doing portfolio reviews all the time. So take this great opportunity to kind of dive in and see what's going on, and, you know, roll your dice against destiny, such as it were. But I think that's a good opportunity for you to at least get some of your stuff seen, and possibly get some feedback. So definitely go for it. But for I, Hector and I... I, legitimate, I legitimately hmm? hadn't heard of that, so I probably will do that now. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, there's lots of different places that folks do things, but I really dig it when some of the publishers do like open ended, like it's, it's a contest, I guess, but it seems like it's a little less than that. Like DC has a writer's thing that they do every couple years as well. And so as I see these things, I want to let the masses know in case folks don't know. But that's all the news we really got for you this week. There wasn't a ton of moving and shaking going on. Things usually tend to calm down heading into the Christmas winter period because everybody's going to be either wrapping up their events and that type of stuff and kind of slowly moving themselves into spring, setting themselves up for major launches for next summer. And we'll get to some of those details in our polls this week. But if you want to jump in on the conversation of our news and just things in general, you can jump in with Hector and I at the Love Thy Nerd community on the Book of Faces. All you got to do is search for Love Thy Nerd community. We'll pop up and we talk about all kinds of nerdy things over there throughout the week. And so tell us the news that you think is interesting, stuff we've missed, or tell us why Hector needs counseling or something for the amount of Doctor Who that he clearly watches. But, you know... We care about one another, and that's what a community is truly for. So, Hector, I think the thing that we really need to spend some time on this week, because the last two weeks have kind of been bonkers, right, is going to be the stuff from our polls. And we even have a wonderful recommendation from our community this week, which it's been a while since we've been able to feature that. So we definitely want to let you know what some of you all out there are reading as well. So Hector, tell me what blew you away the last two weeks. Um, I'll say right off the bat that, um, I like, I think my favorite just straight up pull this week was the, and I was super hesitant to even buy it because they're not exactly batting a thousand. Um, with the year of the villain one shots but um that is super fair because until you told me you picked this particular book you're about to tell us about up i hadn't bought one either yeah <laughs> i mean it's and it's totally understandable um but uh there was um the riddler year of the villain special number one uh i and here's the deal riddler to me has not been at his apex like his his top level since hush i know this is, that, my, uh, this is my surprise face on the podcast you can't see it but this is my surprise face um i i enjoy a lot of what like scott snyder did and uh, you know a lot of what um tom king has done i did not love the war of jokes and riddles you know i kind of was the same place because i'm curious if you'll say the same thing because hush is kind of what brought out very Riddler tones for me is jokes and riddles felt more thuggish to me. And the Riddler's supposed to be stupid smart. 
And it wasn't even campy smart. It was just thug. Yeah, he, this feels like thug with a campy niche where right. yep. Riddler is supposed to be a genius right. um, yep. that just, you know, doesn't want to actually work. <laughs> he just wants to, <laughs> you know, get money. Um, so, yeah, I think that was my biggest thing is like I haven't loved Riddler for a while. Um, just what we're doing with it. He's, it's not bad. I, you know, I, I appreciate the direction they've taken. You know, it's not stupid. It's, it's, it's well done. But, uh, so I was real hesitant to pick this one up, but then, you know, I, I actually stopped in a local comic book shop and, um, the first thing I saw is that that was the pick of the week from the local comic book shop. And I'm like, what? Why? And like, I'm like, okay, I'll pick this up. Uh, it's my general rule. Even if I pick up books somewhere else, if I visit a local shop, I always buy stuff just to support. Um, and so I was like, I'll pick this up. And I you know, picked up a lot of things. But um, what really got me is like, it's not even a good Riddler book. It's a great <laughs> Lex Luthor book. Um, That's fair. Like... So the basic premise of this issue, and by the way, you don't have to have read any of the Year of the Villain stuff. You don't have to be up to date with Batman. You literally just need to know that Lex Luthor has gone through some changes and he's thinking differently these days. Um, that's about all you need to know. Um, you can pick this issue up and just deal with it. But um, Lex Luthor has been bouncing around the cosmos giving uh, supervillains like crazy powerful weaponry and skills and gear and stuff like that. Um, and Riddler's cheesed off that he hasn't got cool gear from Luthor, which why on earth would you give Riddler cool gear? Um, anyway, he's not exactly an A-lister and that's his problem is that he thinks he's an A-lister and he's not. Uh, but the whole, the whole thing boils down into Lex Luthor straight up Dr. Phil's Riddler for an entire book for the entirety of this project. Um, Lex Luthor is seriously just giving Riddler wisdom and it's not bad wisdom. Like it's sound wisdom. Uh, it's good wisdom. And, you know, in a lot of ways it's biblical wisdom, uh, because it's talking about letting go of your old self and moving on to new things. And I made memes about it on faith and fandom and all those things, but like legit Lex Luthor is like straight up spewing knowledge and wisdom on Riddler and it's the whole thing of watching him reject all of the good advice and then it finally hitting him. Um, so there should be a major canon change for who Riddler is moving forward out of this book. Um, you, you should like, I'll say this. If the next time we don't, the next time we see Edward Nigma, if something's not totally different, they seriously failed. Um, as an editorial and production team because there needs to be some changes. But I just really, really enjoyed the wisdom and the heart uh, that came from Lex Luthor in this project. So, yeah, it's a great Lex Luthor book. And there's some good there's some good Riddler humor and some good exposition, and there's a little bit of fun outtakes with Batman. But by and large, this yeah, is that just... Was, that was pretty good, actually. Well, that and just the other person that he's hanging out with uh, Tut, oh, yeah. is like, yeah. you, what, like you were saying, it's a bunch of C, B, C, and D list villains like chilling. And Riddler's like, what? Why does nobody love me? And they're like, well, we love you, sort of. <laughs> I was really glad they used Tut and not Maxi Zeus, though. That's fair. 
because uh, this really could have just been a Maxi Zeus story. Um, but I feel like Tut is just a straight rip off of Riddler and Maxi Zeus, so whatever. Um, but yeah, so I think that was my favorite book I read this week was that one. And, um, you know, I like comic books, so there's the thing. Batman 78 was, I literally wanted to, when I uh, read the description of the issue coming out this week, I wanted to rip it in half. Um, because the first thing I saw was in this interlude of the City of Bane story. I'm, I'm like, please stop giving us interludes. Please stop right. giving us side stories and nightmares and things. I'm like, just freaking finish the book. Stop. But I mean, it, that's the thing. It really isn't an interlude as much as it is. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> on the other side of the world situation. Um, but it's it's a uh, just it's a Batman and Catwoman book. The whole book is and. Uh, you, you, you know, you were saying you still aren't in full belief that this is actually happening, right? Yeah, I it it seems kind of jarring, which I'm willing to bet money on at this point that Tom King's done on purpose that we're being left to guess what's real and what isn't, um, which will eventually come with some type of reveal to either show us that all of this pure insanity truly is happening or why only certain things are happening or why none of it is happening and Dang it, man. Get to the point. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. Like, as of this week, you know, um, like, especially like with we mentioned with the Gotham City Monsters book, I feel like this is actually canon in its context and it's actually happening. Um, but you get a whole issue of Batman and Catwoman just doing their thing, which just basically cements them back together. Not necessarily as a couple, but as characters. And for whatever reason, it sold so much that it's going to second printing. And, um, you know, legitimately speaking, I had a friend that told me, you know, this book is worth buying just for the art. Um, it is it, pretty. I'm it not is gonna, pretty. That, I, I was bored out of my mind and saw this as another filler issue, kind of like you alluded to. But it is just pretty to look at, which I am usually have to stop for a minute when I see comics that do that. Um, and it was pretty glorious. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just really great artwork. Um, it's really well detailed. Uh, there's some, you know, inside jokes and stuff in the art. But in general, it's just really pretty. Now, uh, to be fair, like, you also get uh, some of Tom King's best intimate dialogue as far as, like, emotional intimacy. Um, you know, like, some of my favorite stuff was in the I Am Suicide arc with, like, him writing that letter to Catwoman and stuff like that. And, um, you know, some of Catwoman and Batman's dialogue of she's saying, I thought I was being the hero, but I was really just being a thief. So I wept alone. I mean, it was like, oh, it's, it's, it's a poetry. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, and, you know, and then Batman 2 was like, I also was afraid and I wept alone. And I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was literally poetry with pretty pictures that doesn't further our story. But I enjoyed it. Eh? DC, eh? Um, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to make a t-shirt of that. Um, Please, another yeah. pool that I really enjoyed was, uh, deceased good day to die. Number one. And I'm like, great. Another tie in that doesn't directly run the story of something because please take all of my infinite money that doesn't need to feed my children. Um, yeah, man, we're out here hustling. And it's <laughs> like, we got to get a second and third job just to bring you guys a wonderful podcast. So real talk though, like, uh, love thy nerd should start comping us some comic books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can I'll we? bring that. Um, yeah, uh, no, 
<laughs> can we can we get some subscriptions? Um, no, just kidding. We'd be buying these anyway. Um, but it's the same. We, we still love you guys. Please don't cancel us. <laughs> um, but no, deceased. Good day to die. Number one uh, takes place. You know, at the same time as the main deceased story but focuses on some of the B to C list characters. And honestly, I feel like it's one of the best portions of this story so far as it focuses on um, Constantine, uh, Big Barda, uh, Mr. Miracle, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. And by I mean, it felt like I was reading 52. Um, I was super and- happy with all of the people that were in this book. <laughs> no, and it, and it was really well done. And, um, and they even brought back the classic thing from Tom King's uh, Mr. Miracle arc with the veggie tray. Um, yeah, can, can we can we talk about that for a hot minute? Please do, please bring that. Yeah, up. right. So I took a picture of this, like because my brain registered the joke before I read the panel. And so those of you that we've been telling to read Mr. Miracle, all you have to know is that making sure that you always have a veggie tray is incredibly important to holding together the fabric of the entire freaking universe and just, well, good housewarming and house um, having people over and you just always have to have a veggie tray. Tom King wants you to know that. And they played (laughs) the joke into this book and completely unrelated, you know, zombies taking over the world and Scott free standing there with a veggie tray and says veggie plate. What? (laughs) I I want names of editors right now because how did you mess up continuity on the best joke that you randomly set up for yourselves in a tie in book? Now, seriously, if they, if they had said veggie tray, it would have been perfect. And you know, you might thinking, what's the difference? It's a difference. I mean, it's just it's we're nerds, guys. We pay attention to these things. And literally for twelve issues, we had Scott Free offering veggie trays to like uh, Dark Side and Light Ray and all of these things. And veggie tray literally saved the world. Um, and it was so, so good. And it's also, it's the point of, it's not just that, you know, like him and Barta put together a perfectly, you know, cut the stuff themselves. No, it's the peel the plastic off the darn veggie tray that you bought in the Walmart freezer up towards the front of the veggie section. It's not even that you really tried. <laughs> but either way, that was a great uh, joke. That they, they included it, but also subsequently screwed up. Um, so there's that. Uh Let's see. What else? Uh, then another one. I, I picked up um, Spawn 300 out Wait, of sheer. You did, you did what? Yeah. Um, out of sheer, um, you know, nostalgia, high five, good job, good game, get in there, slap on the butt type situation. Um, good game, Todd. Good game. Yeah, good game, Todd. I mean, it was literally, guys, I was there. I bought Spawn number one, like, at the gas station when it was new. Um so, you know, I was a kid. I was, yeah, I was a child. And I bought Spawn number one at my local gas station. Um, and I've been around for that. So, you know, for them to get the 300, you know, high five. I wanted to support that. So I picked it up. And guess what? It's still a Spawn book. Um, for whatever that translates for you, it's super still a Spawn book. Now, it well, is it's, very... It's important to note, because a lot of people miss this, is... Having high numbers in the 300 plus 
in comics isn't really rare anymore. But one of the things that's really important is Spawn and Savage Dragon, both image titles. One of the claims to fame here is that there's not separate continuities that got them to those numbers. Those are straight line, same continuity numbers. So it actually is something to be celebrated because that's 300 issues of no restarts, no redos or anything like that. It's a straight line. And that's something that, that Todd and Eric with uh, Savage Dragon over at Image have kind of been proud on themselves of. They just kind of kept trucking. So when stuff got hard, it just kind of got eh, and they just kept going. But it's all technically same thing. And with that, that they've uh, arrived there without being one of the major two. Um, yep. There aren't that many independent books or smaller label books that reach 300 ever. And that Spawn <laughs> right. 300, and that Spawn 300 is still, Spawn is up there. You recognize Spawn alongside the majors. Um, you know, he's gotten HBO shows and movies and all these things. And so I wanted to support it. I will say this there's a, and I thought some of it was really fantastic. Um, like, uh, there were the, one of the first stories in there. Um, they it's brutal like so brutal um but it's also super beautiful in its brutality and um let me see which one it was it was a because it's broken up like detective 1000 or some of those other books that are in its section but uh there's one that's uh one four they're broken up by like a clock counting down but one four has some of the best like visuals and uh brutality of it it's like you know like we're all used to hearing i am or i am bat or i'm batman stuff like that there's a i am spawn moment where uh he loses all of his gear his suit and everything else and with nothing but his own flesh like turns into some brutal thing and it's pretty amazing um so that was cool but also i think the thing that i couldn't i couldn't stop giggling for the rest of the book, because it's been a while since I've read Spawn. But uh, the, if you're not familiar, there's a character called Redeemer, um, which is the anti-Spawn, where Spawn is filled with hell. Redeemer is filled with heaven, and he is the, uh, you know, the anti-Spawn. He's the God Spawn as opposed to the Hell Spawn, and he straight up looks like a bad Christian bookstore angels and demons comic book character um oh no it, he looks like somebody <laughs> that would have been on bible man's justice league and um i, <laughs> I some of you are gonna have to google that and yes. we'll give you the time to do that now bible man uh, but i mean here's the deal i mean i know he's a legit character and they actually played it really well and it was well written but like my first thought just turning this page was always like oh it's bible man oh no um <laughs> but it's it, I'll say this like I obviously haven't read all three issues of 300 issues of Spawn um, but I was able to pick up 300 and just enjoy the magnitude of it and appreciate all that it was so um, if you're remotely familiar with Spawn you should check it out but one of the cool things is at the back of the book they have all 300 covers and, oh that's pretty cool because Todd did most yeah, he, or he's always done a variant on like many of them. That that's like one of his week to week things is making sure he gets to the spawn cover. Yeah, so there's a thing with all of the covers at the back of the book, and it's just really neat. Um, and then I think my last thing is just um, 
I really enjoyed Savage Avengers number five. Um, like, tell me, tell me about the Savage Avengers right now because I, I tried and no, I I, cho- I totally get it. One of my biggest beefs with, and, and we've talked about it with cover art and stuff like that. And I get you have to, you have to do use forward motion when you're using cover arts for stories. Um, but one of my biggest beefs is when the cover art directly disagrees with the story. And um, one of the things with that is like, if it's a team book, like where, you know, the book focuses around an entire team when it takes five or six months to get to a team being assembled. That, that yeah isn't that the worst because because like you said the first issue will have that picture and you're like yeah no well it's like even with like uh when secret when gail simone relaunched secret six not in rebirth but like in new 52 era um yep. uh you know we had these cool co- it might have even been before new 52 either way Wh- whatever it was the the longest running secret six arc um, you know, they had the whole team with the covers and this like not a whole team yet. Or then even with, a uh, with rebirth with red hood and the outlaws with, uh, Artemis and Bizarro, Artemis and Bizarro and red hood weren't a team for months. Um, and it's just this thing of like, well, Savage Avengers, we get this cool depiction of an assembled Savage Avenger squad. And it literally takes five issues to get there. Or four and some change to get there. But we finally have a fully functioning Savage Avenger team where um, this uh, this wizard has unleashed um, this giant monster demon-y thing on Midtown, wherever, generic Marvel City. And these guys have to stop it. But like, uh, it's Savage not just in like that the characters are violent, but in the brutality of the storytelling. Um, there, there's a lot of brutality and even the stuff they do with Frank Castle's wife and kids is pretty, pretty rough. Um, I still stand by my statement from a couple weeks ago, um, that what they did with, um, absolute carnage separation anxiety is the most brutal anxiety driven thing I've read in a very long time. Uh, but yeah. So you're saying if Captain America was actually around for this set of Avengers, he'd be saying language and telling people to calm down like a lot. I don't think he would be allowed to be in the room. <laughs> um, Sorry, Cap. I, th- I think I think if uh, Captain America was a part of this team, it would uh, it would not go well. Um, and then one thing I do want to shout out because I messed it up in my show notes here. Um, but Savage Avengers, the first five issues, once you put it all together, it's a good story. But, uh, the other thing I really wanted to hit is, um, Thor number 16. Oh, right. Yep. Yep. I over I typed over that in the wrong way. Wrong spot. Thor number 16, our f- good friend, Mark Shelton, uh, sent me a picture of this issue. Um, in Thor 16, uh, there has been a, hurricane or tornado i think it's tornado whatever f6 is or f5 um chris your disaster tornado. Relief. that's tornado yep, tornado okay. i was about to say your disaster relief <laughs> you know these things um and f5 tore up a church and so and right now while this is happening um asgard is desperately waiting on thor to show his happy butt up so because he's supposed to be taking over as king and all this stuff is happening and they're waiting on Thor to arrive. 
Um, meanwhile, instead of being where Thor is supposed to be, Thor is in the middle of Mississippi rebuilding a church by himself um, while talking to the pastor. And, um, and so the pastor is having these cool conversations with Thor and everything. Um, but Thor, you know, tells him that he's brought wood from Asgard. So his church will stand for a thousand years. Um, and then Thor, you know, the pastor is a little hesitant and confused as why Thor is there, uh, helping. And, right. um, so Thor says this, he says, you do good work in your community pastor. Helping people in need, no matter their race, religion, or sexual identity, we need more churches like yours. Um, and, you know, the pastor's taken back by a second. He says, we do our best, sir. It's always nice to know there's somebody looking out, and we surely do appreciate the help. But a fellow like you, Mr. Thor, I gotta ask, are you sure there ain't somewhere more important you ought to be? And Thor responds with, no. And he's just sitting there, and not only is he rebuilding the church, he's hammering the nails with Mignorn. If I said that <laughs> Which right, which is just great. It's good um, imagery right there, and it's like, yep, I got this. Yeah, and he's like a little tick, tick, tick with his hammer. Um, but just the fact, and here's the deal: this ties into nowhere else in the book, and nowhere in the previous books. It's just one page. Like all of this is one page. It's the first page of the book. But the whole thing is that Thor is taking time to do good things before he shows up where he needs to be. And high freaking five to uh, Marvel. For throwing this in there because well done uh it was just it was really appreciative to see a very positive representation of a church and uh thor and everything else and so jason aaron i salute you sir um thank you for that inclusion you know shout out to us all right tag you it no, that's that's some good stuff, and we'll drop the uh, link for that one so you can go check it out if you are interested. So yeah, let's see uh, on my DC pull list. I mean my pull list this week. Um, <laughs> th- there is, I mean, oh goodness, I have to add another Marvel Marvel book in here because we didn't talk about House of X at all either. So. All right, let's get to this. We told you there was going to be a lot of books this week, and so we're giving you the goodness this week. We're not even pulling punches. We're going to talk about comics. So, well, this is right the pull off the, list. Just it saying. is pull list. So here we are. Curve we've we've been pulling a lot lately. Um, but event Leviathan, Leviathan. There, words. Um, thanks, DC. Lots of syllables in there. Um, so we have Year of the Villain going on. We have Doomsday Clock going on. We have Event Leviathan going on. We have Deceased going on, but Deceased is technically happening way over there, so we don't have to worry about that one as much. But everything else I just said is happening in the DC universe on top of the reality of what Rebirth is. So if you're keeping score, that means there's a lot going on in the DC universe and definitely has the vibe that the... Every two to three year, let's hit the button and change the universe type thing is clearly coming and is like flying at top speed at this point. And so we're still trying to figure out who Leviathan is. And four doesn't really help us get there. There's some more hints, um, but there's a few things that Hector and I both uh, were talking about before the show, and we saved it just for you, is that we find out a few things. We find out some more hints about Leviathan, but not quite a giveaway. Uh, Lois is going 
almost rogue. She's chasing after her reporter instincts and trying to figure out some stuff. Uh, Superman just kind of got his butt handed to him a bit, um, which was kind of weird. And we find out that there's another set of detectives because the whole kind of story that's been going on here is that the Bat family and DC Universe Prime, for lack of a better um, terminology, has been trying to figure out it's the whodunit. Who is Leviathan? And we find out that there's another group that's out there and there's some interesting folks on that. And that's a final page uh, reveal. So can I mention an reading, interesting folk? Can I mention an interesting yeah, folk? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just, okay. There's a female question. I'm excited. Um, right. I'm a big fan of her name so Montoya. That's, that's the question. I don't know if it's her, but go yeah. on. Right. But that's another thing is we've been seeing the question across DC Universe start showing up more and more and more. So that's super exciting. And then, right, we see a female uh, question next to the question. There's a really neat splash page with both of them doing very question things um, and revealing their true faces and everything. So it's awesome. Um, and, yeah, it this is a really solid event. Um, Maliv is also doing the art for it, and it's just pretty. And so Maliv and Bendis are telling a really interesting story here and that that's a top-notch creative team that's not pulling any punches that's just reality so it has been reading the best this is us saying so far i am absolutely in agreement um that typically you've heard hector and i say that we don't have we have our moments with bendis this is really good um so far and that brings us to doomsday clock 11 I left space there so all of you could get the gasp out of your mouth that it actually hit stores because it's like, what, three or four months behind by this point? But um, Doomsday Clock 11 finally came out, and it's still pretty <laughs> bonkers. Um, we're, it's setting up the final battle between Superman and Dr. Manhattan, and to be honest, at this point, that's all that actually matters. There's lots of other stuff going on, um, but... Like we mentioned in the last episode, it seems like Event Leviathan and other stuff that's going on in the Rebirth universe in general is ahead of where Doomsday Clock is right now. And this book helped me go, yep, I'm supposed to already know all of this based on some other stories I've been reading. So this is a little painful. So let's just get to the point <laughs> so we can find out what on earth is going on. What has changed in the DC universe? Because that's all that series was designed to do is tell us what Dr. Manhattan changed. And we're almost there. So now the other thing too, like it'd been so long since I read any of these, like, you know, that meme that they always post of a Gandalf looking in the woods. Like, I don't remember this. Oh yeah. Like that was me reading this book. Like, I'm like, what happened? Yeah. It's like, okay, got it. I, I think I remember now. Well, all right. We're almost there, kids. Almost. <laughs> um, it, it's important. Keep reading it. But depending where you're at in terms of following us, uh, you don't have to lose a lot of sleep on this one because it looks like the DC Universe figured out how to explain this to you without reading it, and that's kind of unfortunate. Um, that said, the other things that are going on around it are pretty freaking awesome. Like, I also picked up Lois Lane number three because each week I keep going, I'm going to stop reading this book because does it really connect <laughs> to anything? But I got to tell you, um, every issue I pick it up and go, this is actually pretty interesting. Telling this story of Lois Lane standalone as her regular reporter job that she's really good at. She's an investigative reporter and, you know, she gets her story. Um, 
has been kind of fun. Yeah, it's got other stuff in it. It has the relationship between her and Clark and Superman, and they're doing a current real awesome playoff from that because the big news across the United States with all the background of what's going on in the DC universe that Lois is investigating is that Lois Lane is cheating on her husband, Clark Kent, with Superman. Yeah, so that's just funny because, you know, they they play off the joke here and there. It's it's kind of dumb, but at the same time, you're like, okay, that's kind of funny, because they're also implying that you know the Boy Scout um, isn't so Boy Scout. He's having an affair, so it's it'll be interesting to see how they play <laughs> that one out. But what's important here for for you, Hector, is for me, this is ooh. where the question the question story actually is being unfolded a little more because the question is helping Lois. Okay. And has, has been a primary character that you're learning more and more about in this line, which leads me to believe going to find out a fair amount of the question's background in this story arc, which I bet will connect to the character that we've seen technically probably a half a step in the future in Leviathan. Okay. So because what I've been seeing is there's literally shadows of the question all over the place, which also leads me to believe wait, that wait. he's Wait, one second. Really when you say the question has been yeah, helping yeah. Lois... Which question has been helping Lois? Uh, the male. The okay. male one at Thank the you. current moment. Thank you. Okay. For the moment, we'll see. Um, so, to be honest, um, it's been great. Uh, Mike Perkins is doing the art, and it's in his wheelhouse. It's it's pretty. It's really awesome. And it's a fun book. I'm not going to lie. It, it snuck up on me and surprised me. But that leads me to, I, I should say a few nice things about Marvel, right? Oh, well, um, by all means. I so, said, I, dude, if you if you track with us, I've had Marvel books in my pool and maybe even more prominently than DC for like months now. So Right. And it's just because DC just like unleashed like a ton of their event books in the last two weeks that kind of buried the lead on the X books because guess what? House of X and Powers of Ten. Sorry, if anyone hasn't added us about that one yet, yeah, we get it. It's Powers of Ten. Yes. It's, it's not Powers of X. Fine. We, we all learned that lesson. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's still House of X versus House of Ten because that would just be weird to make my head hurt even further. But as we've said, this entire run for Hickman is bonkers at how much information is actually being thrown at your skull. Um, can, I, can I confess something? Oh, yeah. I've not read a single information page. <laughs> it, it'll make your head hurt even more though because it's pretty fat some of it's fascinating i'm not gonna lie doomsick being being a watchmen fan i learned that you're supposed to read everything because that's how they mess with you in terms of data you won't get anywhere else um and doomsday clock does the same thing there's tons of stuff in those pages that you're like oh that's pretty it's like nope that's all literally information and so if some of you haven't, and maybe I should drop this in the show notes as well, is the alien language pages on the back of House of X and Powers of Ten have also all been decoded. What? And what the and what those say is pretty interesting as well and ties into what's going on. Man, yeah. I don't care. You didn't Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's the deal. And you know, I've read everything in Watchmen because Watchmen earned my extra reading. If we get to Doomsday Clock and this ends well, I'll go back and read the surplus material. If we end on this and it ends well, I'll go back and read it. But if I read, if I finish the story and it's a turd, I'm not reading all that. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you got to earn that's, my time. That's fair. So uh, House of X4 um, came out and I, it, 
Hickman is still just nailing this. I still absolutely. It's the best X book since Joss Whedon. Royally confused where this is going because based on the events that occurred in in four, I I don't think I'm going to say what happened in its entirety because no, no. I don't have I don't have enough time to get into it. Um, But it's it's really impactful that we talked about that, you know, all the lead up to this, lots of X-Men died and did that matter. And Hickman was like, ha, just kidding, and brought a bunch of them back. Well, Hickman def- potentially just rearranged the teams again in a rather dramatic way. Or a, much like Powers of 10, we're seeing a reality that either has already happened that has led to a redo, which is the point of Powers of 10, in letting us know that... um we have a mutant now that literally regenerates and then lives things out to try to change the future that I, I'm now convinced kind of like my Batman head hurting with psycho pirate type stuff that over here in Marvel of the we, we don't know what timeline we're currently in. We don't know if we were in real time or if this was an event just before she hits restart again. And I'll let people fight me on that. But that's based on what happened because either that really literally was the most traumatic thing that occurred to the X-Men in modern time in book four, or we're going to see snapshots of this again. So yeah, I'm excited with what Hickman's doing here because a lot of us have wanted a stellar X-Men story for a while. And I think we're getting it right now. Now, granted you can screw up the follow through on this one, but at least the setup so far is pretty darn good. And I, I, you've kind of mentioned, but what you kind of agree, that's where you're at as well. Oh yeah. It's like, I need to see how you play this out because you can start off well, but if you oh, yeah, drop no. this, it's <laughs> the worst. If, if he drops this ball, I'm going to be super disappointed at this point. But also too, to add in because, for house of X oof. for house of 10 for right. Are we on, or is that the one we're discussing? I get mixed uh, up. Yeah. I've, all of yep. these just blur together in my head. You get a great spiritual discussion with Wolverine and Nightcrawler, where right before Wolverine yes. and Nightcrawler are facing, you know, uh, bad things, um, Wolverine asks Kurt if he really still believes there's a God and a heaven and what he can expect. And he and Nightcrawler have like a sincere heart to heart conversation before once more into the breach. And. It is very reminiscent of the episode of, uh, ba- of not Batman animated series, but yes. the X Man the animated series from Fox back when we were younger, like twenty years ago, um, and uh, it's it's a great moment, and I really loved it. So uh, if you if just on the spiritual content level, uh, you can definitely hit that that one as well as Thor sixteen because Marvel's just bringing all the hits. Yeah, no, absolutely. I snapped a picture of that entire page because if you actually go back through continuity history of Kurt and um, and Logan, Kurt has always been pretty well grounded in his faith, in his Christian faith specifically. Um, and Logan's always been like, what's the point? What's going to happen? And there have been multiple times over um, their histories where he's like, he's always asked Nightcrawler, what, why? And then, like you said, in the show... Um, we actually see an episode where Logan actually accepts faith. And so I'm curious if that entire page actually encapsulates and suggests what we see play out because Kurt says, well, whatever happens, 
you know, when you get there, come find me implies that Kurt feels that Logan has had that experience. And that's just mind blowing. So I was like, this is good stuff. And I love when people use that grounding part of the reality of who, um, who Nightcrawler truly is, because that's always kind of been an underpinning part of the character of Nightcrawler and his experiences. So it's so neat to see that get played out on the page and that Kirk, that Hickman continues to pull that forward. So X-Men's still doing great things. Um, for us, uh, Daredevil continues to do great things. So issue 11 came out and started the new arc, which is uh, called Through Hell. And we're seeing the transition of... Matt is really getting to the point of he think like he's starting to get pulled back into the daredevil thing of, I got to figure this out. And, uh, Electra makes a cameo as Electra does whenever she darn well pleases in the uh, daredevil universe. She does what she wants. Um, Gosh, right. <laughs> That's just how it plays out. I was like, Oh, Electra's she, back. And she she's, she's already gone. His new trainer okay. though. Yeah. He's going to be the new stick, which I was like, That's pretty cool. Um, so Matt's about to go through another, you know, troubling experience of getting pummeled upon. Um, but it should make him stronger. But I think the thing that I really enjoyed about this is we see that another vigilante has stepped in and has, you know, dressed themselves up in a daredevil-like circumstance and has gotten themselves captured by the police officers that tried to kill um, the other detective in the in the last arc. So there's been some dirty cops that are trying to, you know, about to use the term clean up the police department, but it's the opposite. They're trying to get rid of the good cops. It's weird. Welcome but to Gotham. He's right. Well, it's wait, what? Um, <laughs> it's so it's been weird, but so now that guy is captured and um, strange things are going on with fist still as mayor and fist clearly starting to feel that he needs to get back to old business uh, is kind of how that book wraps up. So uh I think stuff's about to get violent again in the Daredevil universe after having some thought on vigilante yes, vigilante no type discussions. So per the usual, uh, Sadarsky is just telling a freaking awesome story. And so this is where Chris is unapologetic and says, read the stupid book. I've been telling you since issue number one to read the stupid book. You're um, actually telling us before the book came out. Um, yeah, I know because I was reading it under souls run and saying, this is really good. Daredevil's really good. But I also say this was a great Spider-Man book. Um, yes. And I love the fact that, um, because Sadarsky's been writing a ton of Spider-Man as well that they clearly trust him. So he gets to tell these little interludes that are awesome. Yeah. So like spider, I honestly felt like in some ways Spider-Man stole the book, but you know, not in a, not, not in a criminal charge, but yeah, no, it actually in a completely the opposite, which was another thing, but it was a really great discussion with him and the detective that's been trying to hunt the vigilantes, you know, be the good guy and, and Peter just has that conversation with him of, are you trying to save lives or are you trying to uphold the law? And I right, thought that yeah, was just that was dope. awesome. Yeah, was I was like, yup, that was a Spider-Man moment and then some and brought to you by Daredevil. <laughs> brought to you by Daredevil. All right. What else so, you got for us? I've got a ton of stuff, but you know what? We're going to hit that magical mark. But real quick. If you are looking for that Halloween fix and uh, six-issue little mini, Gotham City Monsters just came back. Issue number one dropped this week. 
it's not the greatest thing I read. It's not the worst thing I've read. But if you're looking for Killer Croc, Frankenstein, all kinds of other crazy monster stuff, and I Vampire, yeah. There's just a lot going on there. So if you need that Halloween itch starting to get scratched, pick it up and give it a read. It's an adult title. It's It's got some of that horror and splashy uh, splatter vibe. So check that out. And we're starting now to see the Bendis imaging of the Legion of Superheroes. And so Legion of Superheroes Millennium issue number one, it's going to be a two-part, has come back and they're starting to give us some of the connective tissue of how we're going to see the Legion of Superheroes get integrated into the DC universe. So like we've been saying, there's a metric ton of things going on in DC. So if you've got some old school vibes that you want to start getting itched, now's a good time to pick stuff up because they're bringing a these cuts are deep in terms of some of the superheroes that we're seeing and they're telling stories about. So that's just great. So what better place to end an episode with so much comics than to give a shout out to our community. As we've let folks know on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community, we, every Wednesday, will talk about what we're pulling and what we're enjoying. And we always solicit out to you, our wonderful listeners, what on earth are Hector and I missing? And Michael Brown, who I think we featured probably in the first or second, he was one of those. He throws a lot of stuff at us. But... Somehow, all of us in all of our wonderful time and polls managed to miss the glorious reality that is Battle Pug. Dude, I almost got it, but I'm glad he brought it up. So, yeah, you heard that right. That is Battle Pug. P-U-G as in small brown little dog. Uh, Brought to you by Image Comics. And he says, holy crap, you guys really should be reading this. I don't need much more of a sales pitch than that because it has a picture of a battle pug on the cover of it so um michael we're glad that you brought that to our attention and clearly we're gonna have to go check that out now because that sounds freaking hilarious so (laughs) wow hector that was a metric ton of comics but Mm -hmm. i am so happy because that that must mean that i feel like comics have kind of actually expanded over the summer and that's a real awesome look for for what we do here on the pull list podcast but Also, that there's stuff just in both the big two right now that is worth reading and is actually quite good. And that's a good thing for comics. So, kids, that's all we got for the Polish Podcast, episode number 23 on our March to 26, which will make our full year, our full first year of the Polish Podcast. So we're only a few more episodes away from you've been listening to us for almost 365 days. And that is amazing. And we're just really thankful that all of you are along this ride with us and allow us to talk comics and geeky things on, well, almost a weekly basis. It's every other week and we've been trying. Um, But don't leave us hanging. Uh, Go ahead and jump on the podcasting download site of your choice. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, uh, all kinds of different places. And rate and review the show. Share with your friends. If you got folks that want to learn more about comics, come and join us. Come join us in the community and tell us what's interesting. But we couldn't possibly do any of this alone. Like we've mentioned a few times this episode, we are actually one of three shows on the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. And you can check us out at lovethynerd.com or thepolistpodcast.com. And 
there's other shows there that you need to check out. You need to check out Humans of Gaming, where they do interviews with game designers, game artists, and just they get down to the heart issues of why creators build the cool things that we love to play, whether they're video games, tabletop games, board games, etc. Insert gaming type here. And the other show is the Free Play Podcast, where Bubba, Matt, and Kate are just bunch of awesome cut-ups that we enjoy that bring us almost everything else that is generally nerdy going on in the world it's a pretty funny show they're just awesome folks and you can check us all out like i said at lovethynerd.com so hector and i just again want to thank each and every one of you for listening but remember kids read more comics the game of real